Welcome back, readers and listeners, to this special edition of the Brother Trucker Book Club podcast, wherein I will read to you chapter two of my forthcoming novel, Sleepless Hollow. Chapter one dropped a few days ago. Today is September 26, 2019. And on the 28th, this coming Saturday, I will drop chapter three. And these are the three sample chapters I will release for you so you can get a feel for the, uh, the tone and the pace of the novel and uh, hopefully be excited enough to pick up a copy when it lands on 10-4 next week. So let's jump right in. Quick reminder that this is an amateur production and whereas I recorded the first chapter in the makeshift sound booth in my hotel room, I was not able to do chapter two under those same circumstances today and so I am recording it in the even more makeshift sound booth of a pickup truck. So bear with me and I hope you enjoy the show. Chapter two, Endless Watch. A mile south of Douglas Park, the ghost of Silas Proctor floated up to the roof of the high school and took a brief respite from his patrol of the area. Sleepy Hollow and Terrytown were a little too quiet. It made him nervous. Gently, Silas rested his immaterial boots on the edge of the building and surveyed the area, looking from north to south and back. After more than 200 years on this beat, he knew by instinct when something was wrong. Pursing his lips, Silas raised a finger to his right temple, activating a hollow lens over his eye. Fidget, what's the astral activity look like? he asked. A tiny digital avatar popped up in the corner of his eye, one hand on her hip, the other hand tapping a finger on her chin in an exaggerated gesture. Hmm, things are quiet, sir. No nightmares in town. Yay! No nightmares, Silas agreed, staring at the silent rooftops. And no dreams, either. They sleep without rest. It wasn't an unknown phenomenon from time to time, but not on this scale, not an entire town. Fidget planted both fists on her hips and pouted. That doesn't sound very pleasant. Third night in a row of this, Silas muttered to himself as he slowly turned a full circle, scanning 10,000 souls worth of domiciles. No light, no sound on the astral plane. There should have been something. There were four planes of existence, and as a ghost, Silas had access to three of them, spectral, mortal, and astral. Normally, every dreaming soul would emit a twisting helix of orange light as their minds progressed through stages of sleep. This astral light recharged the soul while the body rested. A healthy town would practically light up at night for all ghosts to see. So why had the whole region stopped sleeping properly? How far did this go? Silas turned his gaze to the Hudson and tapped his lens again. Fidget, show me Nyack. Fidget gleefully zoomed in and scanned the far side of the Hudson River. The astral glow came back bright and strong over Nyack, but the light faded out over the water and failed to reach the eastern shore. Sleepy Hollow had only moonlight. Should we call for assistance on this one, boss? Fidget chirped helpfully. Heaven knows I want to, he said to himself. Silas was on thin ice with his superiors at Specforce. Calling in an an anomaly for the sake of it would just get him yelled at. If he was suspicious of something, he needed a theory about the cause. 
So what was doing this? Who was doing it? Tightening his grip on nothing, Silas narrowed his eyes. The answer, of course, was Convict 971-C. It always was, and Silas could never call it in. They'd say he was crying wolf, that it was Halloween in Sleepy Hollow, and of course he saw 971-C around every corner and behind every shadow. The most dangerous ghost in the region had sworn to take what he'd failed to secure for himself in life, and he was just cunning enough to do it. He had been dead for almost as long as Silas, and he had spent most of his afterlife inventing machines on the spectral plane where ghosts lived. Could 971C interfere with everyone in the county, though? And why would he do so? What benefit was there to gain from exhausting everyone? I'm gonna find you, Silas whispered to himself. His personal vendetta would have to wait, though. Across the silent night, the sudden noise of a gasoline engine revved loud enough to send rodents scurrying through the brush around the school. Silas frowned and gazed north in the direction of the sound. Fidget's fine sensors showed it was coming from Douglas Park. Fidget, identify, he said. Gas engine, she reported proudly. A sonograph appeared on Silas's lens, measuring the noise and comparing it to a sound database. Chevrolet, 350 cubic inches of displacement, V8 carbureted. Then she gave him a list of such vehicles registered to local residents. Mark Penninger was at the top. Damn it all, Silas muttered. He knew everyone in Sleepy Hollow. Everyone. Dead or alive, young or old, and he tracked their movements. Both Mark and Veronica Penninger were out of town tonight, and neither of them had taken his old truck, which probably meant that Josie was driving it. In the middle of the night near the cemetery. Wretch, Silas swore, mostly at himself. Shutting off his hollow lens, he leapt from the rooftop and flitted north, phase jumping in rapid succession up Broadway, drawing closer to the noise. Sure enough, dim headlights shone through the trees of Douglas Park, and Silas's spectral heart sank. Once upon a time, this had been part of the Visser property. Silas knew the area well. He had died not far from that exact spot back in the 1700s. Other ghosts had been linked to the land over the centuries, and the strongest among them was a level four called Kersten Visser, a polite farmer. In recent weeks, however, his less polite brother Luke, a level two, had reappeared and was haunting the park. Why would Josie be out here, though? As Silas jumped from the rooftops to the ground, the truck went quiet, then thunked as its gears shifted. The tires squealed, and the old Chevy came straight at him in the dark with the headlights off. Wretch! Silas swore again, louder this time as he cartwheeled out of the way. Josie narrowly zipped past him, hopefully she hadn't seen him in the shadows. He had only barely glimpsed her fiery red hair through the driver's side window as she sped away, and then the truck was gone. Ghostly noises still cracked and boomed in the trees. Grunting, Silas sprinted deeper into the park and drew his sidearm, a spectral weapon that fired a focused disruption field. As he reached the center of the woods, he saw the two Visser brothers locked in a grappling match so intense that even the mortals could have sensed it. Luke wrapped an arm around Kirsten's neck and punched his brother repeatedly in the head, 
while Kirsten stomped his feet and tried to free himself. Silas raised his pistol and thumbed the safety off. The battery whined sharply as the electric charge rose to its full strength. Luke Visser! Hands where I can see them! he snapped. Luke whirled on Silas, taking in this new intruder on what had been his family's land. Suddenly forgetting Kirsten, Luke bared his teeth and snarled at Silas, then charged, pumping his arms and churning his legs against the hard mud. If Silas had been a scared, ignorant mortal, it might have been a horrifying sight. But he wasn't. Rolling his eyes, Silas pulled the trigger. The focused disruption field lanced forth from the barrel of the gun like a laser bolt, ripping straight into Luke's spectral form and stopping him cold. In a hundredth of a second, Luke's ghost form was overwhelmed with electricity, and he exploded into a thousand shards of light that faded like embers as they settled to the ground. There was no such thing as killing a ghost. Spectral weapons merely kept them where they belong. Strong spirits could push themselves onto the mortal plane, like Silas, whereas weak ones could only push themselves into certain places where they'd had a connection in life, like Luke and Kirsten Visser. The younger Visser brother appeared from behind a tree, his ghost form flickering as it stabilized in the wake of the beating he'd just taken. Thank you, Proctor. Kirsten said, shaking his head as he rose to his feet. He was always stronger than me. I appreciate the help. I wasn't helping you, Visser. I was doing my job. Sweet death, look at this place. Silas kept his sidearm trained on Kirsten as he took stock of the area. He'd known about the hidey hole here, but hadn't known how large the cover was. A huge wooden slab had been dragged out of the earth with a few feet of soil still on it and two large chains were looped through iron rings at one end. Kirsten must have hired Josie to open the place and get whatever was inside. Kirsten seemed to take note of the damage for the first time, his eyes lingering on the hole leading to his old cellar. Right, uh, this. See, I didn't think Luke would be as angry as he was. I figured Josie could pull it back into place when we finished. He trailed off. Kirsten, Silas seethed. According to code, I should shoot you off the mortal plane right now. Come on, Proc. You know you can't make contact with an unregistered seer, let alone drag her into criminal destruction of public property. It's a little dirt. It can be managed. You used to be more understanding. No, I used to be more lenient. Not anymore. Now I have to call in help on the mortal side to put this back. My superiors won't like that this happened on my watch. Silas said. Or we can just ask Josie again. I forbid you to contact her, Kirsten. I will shoot you. Kirsten threw his hands up. Is this what you've become? We're sleepy hollow boys, Silas. That's supposed to mean something. It doesn't mean messing up her life. Do you think you're doing her any favors by dragging her in deeper? It's no worse than dragging her in to begin with, Kirsten said quietly. Silas almost pulled the trigger. He stopped himself and holstered the gun, not trusting himself to act with prudence. Yes, according to the law, he should have shot Kirsten, but the man was right about Josie. And they were Sleepy Hollow boys. What the hell did you need so badly that you had to get her involved? Silas asked. That's personal, Kirsten said. Silas hadn't take his hand off his, taken his hand off his pistol yet. He fixed Kirsten with a hard look. Pretend I'm an enforcer. Personal doesn't cut it. 
Family business, Proctor. Sheesh. I asked her to help and she agreed. It's not like you haven't tried reaching out to her before. Are you trying to get me to shoot you, Visser? No, Kirsten said quickly. It's just the truth. She's in the water. Might as well learn how to swim. You know what the rest of her life looks like otherwise. How much longer do you think she'll last before she runs into someone who isn't as principled as you or me? Gnashing his teeth, Silas ran his free hand down his face. Whatever happens to her from here on out is not your call. He studied the hole in the ground and mulled over his options. I'm authorizing you to take a trip over to Elmsford. It's within your range. There's a freelancer there named Clint Denton, and he has a truck that can handle this. It won't be cheap, but he's licensed. Denton? Seriously? The man's 87 years old. It'll be a crime to wake him up at this hour, Kirsten protested. Silas paused. What? No, Clint's only 70-something. He trailed off as he did the math and realized he hadn't talked to Clint in years. Damn. Well, either this gets cleaned up, or I have to call it into the home office and I hang you out to dry. I'm guessing you dug up your gold, huh? Spare a coin for Clint and get it done. Silas spun on his heels and headed west to the cemetery. Where are you going? To check in on your other screw-up. She's not just mine, Kirsten huffed. Silas hated peeking through windows at mortals, and only did so when the job absolutely required it. When it came to Josie, he had to take extra precautions. She was one of the few who could see him back. He phase-jumped over to Josie's apartment, which was really her great-aunt Mabel's basement. The house had been in Mabel's family for three generations, and she had ties to the region that went even farther back than that. Silas had known one of her ancestors in the Revolution. Mark Penninger's truck sat in the carport on the side of the house, its heavy engine ticking as it cooled. There was a light in the basement window, so Silas lowered himself to the ground and peered through a narrow gap in the curtains. Josie had just returned. She shivered with cold and wasn't wearing her coat. She had it bundled at her, in her arms, and it was heavy, wrapped around something large and unwieldy, Luke Visser's pirate gold. Silas had heard of the stash maybe a century ago, even took a trip down to the cellar to confirm it once, chuckling to himself at the insane fortune that thousands of locals had walked over without knowing it. Josie was smart to keep her nose and mouth covered, protecting against whatever fungus had thrived in the cold, damp darkness of the cellar. She went into her kitchenette, grabbed a 12-gallon trash bag, and wrapped it around the coat, cinching it tight at the opening. Then, with a sigh, she uncovered her face and pulled her beanie off, letting her long red hair fully cascade down onto her shoulders. Silas bit his lip. He'd known Josie for the last ten years, ever since her parents had moved to the hollow. She had grown from an awkward twelve-year-old into a beautiful woman, sharp as a tack, quick as a whip, and doomed to a life of seership that had robbed her of a better future. He had done his best to keep her off the radar of spectral enforcement. The law said that any seer had to be recruited, evaluated, and regulated. All code words for being pressed into service. Specforce cared little for the doctrine of individual rights in an ongoing conflict against ghosts who didn't want to stay down. Any mortal who could help officially belonged to the cause and pity the poor soul who thought otherwise. Her best chance was to remain unknown to them, she still had a shot at choosing her own life. 
Silas wouldn't let guys like Kirsten imperil that by hiring her for jobs that... He narrowed his eyes. Something was wrong. Josie tied her hair into a tail, then reached behind herself and fumbled for something between her shoulder blades. Silas hadn't seen it at first because her sweater was black, the same color as the harness that secured a small, square camera to her torso, just over her sternum. Wretch, he swore, louder than he meant to. Josie paused and glanced at the window, looking straight in his direction. Clamping a hand over his mouth, Silas rolled away just as she came over and pulled the curtains together. She had a GoPro. She had filmed herself committing a crime by both spectral and mortal law. And like every modern-day twit with an internet connection, she was probably going to put the footage online for fame and attention. Come on, Josie, you're smarter than this. Then again, Silas figured, it was less about smarts and more about desperation. People could turn good internet content into money. Josie probably saw this as her only way forward in the world. Silas might have seen this coming if he hadn't held such a high opinion of her. He tapped his HoloLens again and woke up Fidget. Wireless tech could broadcast over multiple planes, so hacking a mortal network from the spectral side was standard stuff. It was one way that spectral enforcement kept people from spreading the truth about the afterlife online. Tonight, Silas had to hijack Josie's devices. There was a dim flash and a subtle whoomph in the darkness, and Silas sensed another ghost at his back. Kirsten had phase-jumped into Josie's backyard and dropped down to join him. So, hey, Clint was awake. Uh, indigestion, I think, Kirsten said. Silas put a finger to his lips, then pointed at the window. Whisper. She's there. Ah, okay. Clint's on his way. Where's my gold? Plastic bag. Couch. Needs to be sanitized. I'll tell her. What are you doing? Checking her laptop. Silas synced his hollow lens with Josie's screen, which she had split into two windows. One side streamed old episodes of Supernatural, her favorite show. And on the other side, she had her video editor open and was condensing the night's recording to a segment short enough for mortal attention spans. Sounds like she's watching that program about the brothers, Kirsten whispered. He couldn't see Silas's hollow lens, but the sound reached him. She actually let me into her house last week. I indulged for a few minutes. Ridiculous stuff. Salt? Iron? Demon traps? She's going to get dumb ideas. Like jumping into a crappy old Chevy and making a living as a ghost hunter? Because she's trying to build herself a reputation, Silas said. Kirsten went still. She's writing about it tonight, then? What's that called? Face blog? She filmed it, you buffoon. She had a camera on. Silas touched his chest, indicating where Josie had worn her GoPro. I still don't know what those look like, Kirsten admitted. And yet you dragged her into extended conversations with a specter without considering the danger you put her in, Silas said. Hey, don't you get all high and mighty with me, Proctor. Let's not forget why she's on this path to begin with. Quick as a snake, Silas's hand darted over and grabbed a fistful of Kirsten's immaterial tunic. That's the last time you ever say that to me. Kirsten's eyes went cold. Blast me into dust if it makes you feel better. I, it won't change what you did. I'm helping my family. What were you doing when you turned her? None of your damned business, Silas muttered, 
regretting that he'd ever trusted Kirsten with that bit of his past, Silas released him and returned his full attention to the hollow lens. He tapped out a command on a tiny wrist-mounted pad, which then uploaded a digital package to Josie's computer. I'm sorry, he whispered. Apology accepted, said Kirsten. I wasn't talking to you. Silas pressed a button. It took a second, then, from inside the basement... What? No, 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 no! Why? Damn it all! What did you do? Kirsten asked. Deleted everything, and kept her safe for another day. Hating himself, Silas rose to his feet and shut his lens off, ready to get back to patrolling the village. He phase-jumped out of the yard and over to the next street. Kirsten joined him, raising his voice only when they were out of earshot. You're going to have to tell her sometime, Proctor. Not tonight. She deserves to know. Not tonight, Silas repeated, muttering to himself. For now, the small fire was out, and he had to get back to the bigger fire. The insomnia. The lack of dreams. The unshakable feeling that Convict 971-C had returned. Thus ends Chapter 2 of Sleepless Hollow, Endless Watch. Tune back in on Saturday for Chapter 3, The Book in the Box. Until then, drive safe. See you out there.